Hello and welcome to the That's Afterlife podcast with DM Esther Anson and Adrian Mills. Hello, thank you for joining us. Adrian might not be in a very good mood today. Oh, Esther, I'm having a marriage crisis. Tell me. I need your advice. And I know, I know we have a lot of female listeners to our podcasts. You know, <laughs> please, you can always email, email in and tell me I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. I was sat having a cup of coffee on Saturday, looking forward to watching the football in half an hour. And my wife sidled up to me, sat down and she went, you'll be really pleased to know I've made an appointment for you at the local hairdressers for a haircut at 12 o'clock. And as a treat, I've paid for it. Now, yes. Call me old fashioned, but I went, I'm sorry, but no, no, that's not acceptable. I will decide when I get my haircut. You will not pay for my haircut. You are not my mother. And we had 24 hours of silence after that, really. 24 hours of silence. Oh, I know. I know. Bloody we- hell. You can sulk, Adrian Mills. Oh, yeah. I dig my heels in. I'm a Cancerian. I'm, I'm according to uh, the Cancerian star sign, friendly, caring, artistic, but bloody moody. Excuse me. I'm Cancerian. Well, I rest my case. Now, listen, it's interesting about marital rows. I got a whiff of sulfur in the air. I knew there was something wrong with you. But um, Desi and I, I mean, we used to shout at each other a lot, as you may remember, my late husband. But um, I had a perfect way of annoying him because he was meticulous. And what I used to do is if I was really cross, I can't sulk. Um, It bores me. I, I want to keep the conversation going. So instead, I used to walk around the house slightly tilting every picture so that it was crooked. Oh. It drove him completely nuts. Oh, it's torture. Yes. Well, do you think I was wrong for kicking off then? Do you think I should have gone, that's lovely, (laughs) darling, and gone down my haircut? No, I, I, I remember when Desi did very possessive and decisive presents for me, like buying me my first computer, and I got very threatened by it. But I'm going to ask you something intrusive. Okay, are you ready for this? Let me, the psychiatrist chair, I'm ready. Okay, Anne Robinson, she who must be obeyed, once said that marriages don't work when the wife earns more than the husband. No. Thing is, Nikki is a brilliant restaurateur um, and businesswoman, and you are a lovely fella. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Read into that what you will. And more by luck than good judgment, I earned more than Desmond at various stages in our Mm. career, because as he said, I had fame, he had reputation. So, you know, the television industry respected him, but they paid me because of the huge ratings we got for That's Life. Mm. Do you think that that made you more sensitive? The fact that she probably is richer than you are, to the fact that she'd made the decision about your hair, or do you think it's not about money, it's about hair? Uh, it's about control. Um, I, I, I really objected to the fact that for the last year, bear in mind she'd been away in Thailand for most of that year, um, I've lived my life as a single man with all the constraints of marriage. Uh, and if I want to grow my hair long, if I want a midlife crisis, I will have my midlife crisis. I haven't gone out for a motorbike, I've just grown my hair to a point where it could actually go into pigtails. Does it matter that she earns more than you? No, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Never did. Do you have a joint account? We do. That's the thing. So did Desi and I. So that all the money just fell into our family income. And also there were areas of expertise, like Desi was an extraordinarily brilliant traveller because he started as a foreign correspondent for the Daily Mirror. And he could sort out all the dreadful complications about 
flights and passports and visas and things. So it was while he was alive that we had foreign holidays. Since he, I've lost him, I just, you know, sit in the new forest, poor little me on my own. I've never thought of you as poor little me, uh, but but actually, the, but that isn't that what it's about, isn't it? About a balance, about, you know, one partner doing something, the other doing what they're good at. I mean, you know, when Nikki has problems with the restaurants, it's me that gets called in to deal with them. It's me that deals with the council. You know, it's the me that deals with, you know, uh, and she realised that. And I actually rise to the occasion and get on with it. And with the background of, you know, journalism and that's life or whatever you know i know what you should be saying and who you should be talking to but it look hey who in the wildest dreams ever said marriage was easy it's interesting that isn't it do you think there was once a woman who dreamed that she had written the best poem in the world and when she woke up she quickly wrote it down and then the next morning she had a read of it and it said Higamous, hogamous, woman's monogamous, hogamous, higamous, man is polygamous. <laughs> that was the shipping forecast for Dogger Bank. <laughs> oh no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. It is, it is. Tell me then, apart from you sort of moving the pictures around the house to annoy Desi, what yeah. would it be that you would do that would annoy him? Hang up on him. Oh. He used to ring me five or six times a day. And sometimes just to be awful. I really regret this now. This is the thing. You see, if you lose them, you look back on those stupid rows you had sure. and you think, why didn't I? What the hell was I doing? You know, why didn't I enjoy every minute? You know, because I had limited amount of time with him. That's the only advice I would give a married couple. Um, I would say to them, treasure your time together because it may not last forever. If I was to say to you, Esther, what do you miss most about Desmond? What would be the one thing? Is the well, I said one thing, it's probably lots of things, but is the one thing that used to just bring a smile to your face? Well, it's laughter. He was so funny. Yes, he was. And he used to insult me, which really made me honk with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, had I known, had I known that um, you laugh at being insulted, I'll just get out the book now, make a few notes. He once said to me that I had all the sexual allure of a rotting log. Oh, oh, oh my goodness, that, that's room for divorce, Esther. And he once said to me, having hung about waiting for me to get dressed to go to some event or other, it was... <laughs> Like waiting for a circus elephant with all its, you know, gear flapping, <laughs> waiting for its cue. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter is the best aphrodisiac, apart from ballroom dancing. Now, I think we need to tell the assembled listener oh, yes. that we've got a real treat in store for them, which is Len Goodman. Seven. Len Goodman ought to get a knighthood for services to ballroom dancing and elderly women. To them, he was a sex god. Okay, so so you know we, we always ask people what they're going to take into the afterlife. What do you think Len Goodman's going to take with him? I think he will take a glitter ball. What do you think he'll take? A pair of dancing shoes. Could be. I don't know why, where that came from. It just, uh, yes, and it will probably both be completely wrong. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. He'll be joining us in a little while. 
And we absolutely love it when people sort of send us their emails to hello that's afterlife.com. If there's anything you want uh, Esther and I to chat about or any questions uh, you want to have a go at Esther about, I uh, love reading those out. Um, <laughs> I've got some life hacks, I've got emails. And oh, and by the way, before I give you the first one, do remember if you want to subscribe to our podcast, and why wouldn't you want to? I think I've got your teeth in, Esther. Um, give us a rating. We would love five stars. Please, please, please. Now, Julie from Brighton. I am a massive That's Life fan and I love your podcast. Well done. That's very kind of you, Julie. I just wanted to ask what it was like when you went to Buckingham Palace to receive your damehood. Did you get a cup of tea with Her Majesty? I have been very lucky because I got an OBE and I got a CBE and I got a DBE. The OBE came from the Queen. Wow. It was very interesting because she talked to me about Childline and she'd obviously been watching how we launched Childline, hmm. um, you know, with a big television spectacular and et cetera. And we had 50,000 attempted calls that first night hmm. and she wanted to know a bit more about it. She wanted to know if it was if it was depressing, you know, hearing from so many children. And I said, well, we leave them better than we find them. In other words, at the end of the phone call. They're, they're always more cheerful and they feel empowered. Mm. Anyway, so I thought that was lovely. Then the CBE I got from Prince Charles, bless his heart. Right. But the, the dameship I got from Princess Anne. And uh, she was really interesting because I got the dameship for Childline and the Silverline for older people. And we were talking about it. And she said both of them depend on children and old people trusting you enough to make that phone call or get in touch and which is absolutely right and it's the one thing we must never do is betray that trust mm. which is why both services are confidential has that changed your life or has it changed the perception of you to other people do you see what i mean i do the various charities that i work with i think value it because it it makes it a bit more special it's not just old esther rolling up but it's you know dame esther of thingy be jigged um rolling up and i would say it transformed my life because now not a day goes by without someone saying how lovely to talk to you dame edna <laughs> <laughs> talking of awards there is a, a man coming up now that uh Really, for services to uh, women around the country, uh, I think you should made uh, a night, don't you, Esther? I certainly do. I certainly do. Sir Len Goodman. Now, Len, how are you and where are you? Sitting here, just off of our kitchen. I was going to put a pile of books behind it because I know <laughs> that is the thing that most people on Zoom and that. They like a nice load of books, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. You've just got this wall. And, um, yeah, everything is fine, really. Getting old, older, you know, you don't do anything as good as you used to that I can think of. I thought I'd become more patient, but that's not happened. I'm, I'm still just as impatient as I ever was. But what we do have as we get older are terrific memories of what we used to be able to do. You don't, you don't know me, Esther, when I was uh, late teens and early 20s. You know, I was over six foot, hair, back as a raven's wing, got that boyish grin and a twinkle, out every night, driving about, doing a bit of crumpeteering, as we used to call it, 
<laughs> it was wonderful, wonderful time. Well, I'm glad you brought that subject up then, because I want to talk to you about sex. Yes. Now, presumably, when you were a welder, you probably were crumpeteering a bit even then, weren't you? All the time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, well, I was uh, 20 or so, you know, so the only reason I ever went ballroom dancing was because a friend of mine, Mike, I said to him, do you want to go to the pictures tomorrow? He said, no, I go ballroom dancing. And he said, in a class. I said, why? Ballroom dancing? I said, why? He said, because there's about five boys and there's about 40 girls. And I said, right, I'm coming with you. I could be there tomorrow. So that was, it was only girls that got me dancing at all, really. So I, I was 21. I was a very late starter into, into the, you know, when you talk to Anton, he started, he was 11 or something. And some of them started when they were four and all that stuff. I was 21. I was, you know, it, it was what a lovely business I was in. Beautiful girls, full of beautiful girls. Most of the boys were gay. It was a double whammy. <laughs> I can imagine you now just cutting a sway through the whole thing. Now, let me talk to you about the curse of Strictly, because do not forget that although I was only there briefly, I was there. And I can remember the first time Anton took me in his arms and you could not get, as we used to say, a sliver of cigarette paper between no. our limbs. That's right. Now, there's five points of contact in, when you're in ballroom hold. I won't bother you with four of them. But the fifth one is body contact. You know, and you, you can't have a sheet of bronco between the two of you. You're, you're there. And that is to help you, you know, the saying, two people dancing as one. Well, that is one of the elements of it that, that make you dance as one is that there is a contact of the bodies. Let's face it, his leg is firmly between yours. Exactly that. Yes, yes. And her, and sometimes hers is between yours, yours is between hers. You've got all this rise and fall. And if you happen to rise as she falls, <laughs> it's, it's beggars believe. No, I don't, I don't want to break bad news to you, Len. Yeah. I get the whole point about, you know, over six foot, raven hair, classy mover, all those things, and the fact that statistically you were in a good position. But that is not why then and now you cut a swathe through the female population. Is it not? No. It's your wicked sense of humour. Well... That all that all added to it. I, you know, I was, you know, I'm like the complete package here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm going to let you into a secret now. Yeah, go on. I am good in bed. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't snore. I don't hog the duvet. I just get over on my own side and fall asleep. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Well, ladies of Britain, you've heard it from the expert. Len Goodman is great in bed. <laughs> My mum used to say that her two favourite men on Saturday night was uh, Len Goodman and the wonderful Bruce Forsyth. Yeah, he was a smasher. What was, what was he like behind the scenes? He was, was a lovely... I played golf with him a few times. And he, lovely, he had a lovely house in Virginia Water. 
uh, and you drive into drive into his house and park your car, and he had his own golf buggy thing, and you put your clubs on it next to him, and then you drive down this little path, and then the electric gates would open, and you'd go straight onto the golf course, Wentworth Golf Course, and over we'd go. And then as we came up the last hole, the 18th, he would phone home and he had a lovely lady who did the cooking and the ironing and so on. And she would have done all lovely little things and, and we'd sit in his little bar and lovely photos of him with Dean Crosby and so on. And we'd just have a chit chat and have these little things. It was, it was lovely, such a lovely host and such a nice man. And he was the one who told me originally uh, when I was going to go on uh, first show of Strictly, I said, oh, he, he came and saw me, which I thought was a lovely thing. And he said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm all right. I'm just worried I'm going to be wooden because I'd never done anything, any television. I judged uh, the original Come Dancing, but that you just stood there and put a thing up. He said, Great, and this is great advice for everyone. Be yourself and be honest. What more do you want? You know, and that's and that is one hundred percent strictly. Be honest and be yourself. Don't try and be what you're not. Mm. I think it's great, great advice. Dear old Bruce, he was a he was a beauty. He was indeed, and very funny. But of course, he couldn't anticipate that occasionally you would talk about pickling your walnuts. No, well, I, I was brought up quite a bit with, by my granddad. And my grandfather was, you know, we lived in Bethnal Green. He was a proper East End monger, selling fruit and vegetables off a barrow. Yeah, he was very funny. He would say things like, if that dog don't win, I'm going to bloody pickle my walnuts. He used to go down acne dogs. And that would be him, you know? And, and things like that would be what he would say. It was funny. He said once, he's a little bit sort of risque, but I suppose you, this isn't live, is it? Certainly not. And no. if it's extremely rude, we'll put it in the um, publicity. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Lenny, oh, I don't know how old I was, 10. Lenny, your money is like your willy. It only grows if you play with it. <laughs> 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 do all these family members with these great turns of phrases, did they all appear when you did uh, Who Do You Think You Are? No, because it was mostly, it was mostly my nan. My nan was, my nan was wonderful. My nan gave me my personality. She was the one who, who was, she'd say to me, Lenny, stand in the fireplace. Obviously the fire weren't on. Stand in the fireplace, <laughs> give us a song. And I'd sing, and she'd come on. And she'd get up. She used all every house had a piano, and she was on the old Joanna. And she'd, you know, play whatever the hit of the day. You come on the silver down down upon the. And there'd be me standing in the fireplace, and and I was one of those children that would sit on anyone's lap. You know, she'd say, "Go and sit on Uncle Al." I never knew Uncle Al, but go and sit on Uncle Albert's lap, and or guns, whatever. She gave me my sort of bubbly if I can call it bubbly. But she gave me my personality to be outgoing, to be extrovert rather than introvert. That was my nan, really, mm. who was Polish. Her father was Polish. So that all came out on 
you know, I'm, I have been so lucky. You know, I was on Desert Island Discs, which is, for me, was a dream. And then when they phoned up and said, we'd like to do Who Do You Think You Are? My agent asked me if I'd look. I said, are you mad? Everyone wants to know about their relatives and everything, don't they? You know, I, I would imagine you do. Oh, yeah, lovely. Oh, that was wonderful. Oh, were you shocked at what you discovered? I thought we were from the East End, all of us. And it turned out Nan's dad was from Poland. He was from Poland and uh, he got... I can't, I won't go into the old palaver, but anyway, they, 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 he was shipped off to America because he was such a troublemaker. And they pulled into Portsmouth and he, he basically jumped ship and went up to London. So, you know, and I was always moaning about illegal immigrants and there was, <laughs> was him. Yeah. So he was that. And the other side were Huguenots, French. And the fringe of I'm alive got on me wick. So <laughs> I got the poles on one side and I got the French on the other. And I always thought I was just a whole I didn't think they'd use me because I thought that when they look into me, they say, oh, well, he was a greengrocer, you know, but no, it was so interesting. And what is great if you do that show is they give you all family tree and all the research that had gone on you get everything so you can pass like I've passed it on to my son James and he's already put in uh, my two grandchildren oh it's just a most wonderful thing great it was great yeah I had the same experience I, I too am Polish well I don't know if you could find out but we could somehow be related well know? my lot are Jewish Ah, now I thought, this is what I thought. Yeah. I was convinced, because my name's Goodman. Yeah. There's this Polish, I thought, I'm going to find I'm Jewish. And at the end of the show, I'll be circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> and did that happen later? No. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> now, look. I want another secret from you because you once told me the story of how you were recruited to be head judge in America. I oh, mean, yes. absolutely understood that you would be head judge in Britain. I mean, they wouldn't dare appoint anyone well, else. Well, I was the oldest, I suppose. That was all. But when the show was going to be on in America, yeah. the, the director, the, the producers all went over to America to do the show, the first two or three shows for ABC television. It was only six weeks, the first series. Just before the first show, I was walking to the studio. I'm in Los Angeles, beautiful, lovely weather. And I was walking with a guy, he was like a sound man. He was called The Sweetener. And they're the people that when there's clapping, they sweeten it a bit and they turn a knob and you get more clapping. Or, or if it's funny, they give it a bit more love. He was a sweetener. I'm walking across to the studio with the sweetener and I said, what wonderful weather. I said, you could, I could certainly get used to living here. He said, don't get used to it. This show will 
om. No one is interested in ballroom dancing. And this coming September is their 30th series. 30. Yeah. I think they've done, I don't know, 16 here, over here, 17. Yeah. Done 30 there because they do it twice a year. I've been obsessed with it. I slightly prefer the American version sometimes because they didn't do those funny films. I can't abide the oh, funny films. You know what I don't like? Go on. What I didn't like. Yeah. When the couple suddenly are having a coffee and a heart to heart talk. What is that about? I, don't, I never got that. I didn't ever get that side of things. Yeah. I can understand it when you're going to do a salsa and they take you off to a salsa club. Not that it's going to do you much good, I don't think, no. really. But, you know, it's something to do, give you the feeling of it. You know, the thing is, Strictly is like the original one. Everything came from that. Yeah. It is the most wonderful, fantastic show. It is. Do you miss it? I tell you, um, if I had a girlfriend and we split, and we were quite mutual that we would split up and she'd go her way and I'd go mine, and that was fine. And then a few weeks later, I saw her with another boat. I would think... No, that's not right. She, she's my, my girl. What's going on? And it was a little bit like that when I sit and watch it that I think, oh, no, no, no. I should be sitting there. Listen, I, it's, whatever decisions you make in life are the right ones at the time. You can look back in retrospect and say, no, I wish I hadn't done it or I, you know. But for me, I, I've done it for 12 years. I, I, I used to come home moaning a bit uh, to my wife. It, was, it wasn't about the show. I'll tell you what used to get on me wick mm. was, I don't think it's a secret that they do the result show an hour or so after the main show. And it was that, pay that hour of, uh, after, after you'd finished and everything was finished, you'd done your hour, you'd done the show, now you've got to sit about and wait and wait. And then, and then his old show will come on, which is recorded. And because it's recorded, they will do everything twice. You know, oh, if, there's, goodness. if there's a dance and there's nothing wrong with the dance and it's all lovely and there's somebody singing, they will do it again. Mm. And that used to, so that used to get on my nerves. I'm going to ask you a personal question, if I may, then. Now, you, I hope that um, time has eased the pain of the memory of me. I remember your tango, you wore a garter. I certainly did. Well, that was to distract everyone from the fact. Oh, everyone. <laughs> I just couldn't remember it. See, the thing is, Len, I mean, I know this will be very strange to you, but I can remember poetry. I can remember the sound of things, but I have no muscle memory. So poor Anton was stuck with this person out. I could do the waltz because A, I'd learnt it when I was 14, and B, um, we had three weeks to rehearse it and I found a way. Anyway, it felt very strange wiggling me bum all over the place. Yeah. And then the tango, I couldn't remember a step. Do you think that you would be able to teach me to dance, Len? No. 
Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, leave it there, Len. Leave it I, there. I was quite a good teacher, but I was never a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, Len, on the very first rehearsal I did with Anton, and we were staggering around the floor, at least I was staggering. And then we came out, and there was Jill Halfpenny. She had leggings she had those leg warmer things oh yes. yes and i thought this woman has done this before yeah. and darren who was her professional said yeah. we've been practicing our jive kicks jive kicks and i had a little word with jill and when she was 15 she was at stage school and she had the choice of either being a dancer or being an actress and the decision she made was because she was little and curvy and she knew if she was up against some leggy blonde, you know, yeah. five foot yeah. 11 tall, the leggy blonde would always get the job. So that's why she went for acting. Yeah. But the fact is, she'd always been a gifted dancer. Yeah. Well, she was brilliant. She was. Jill Huff. She was the first person to get three tens or four tens or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. In that jive. She was, she was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's her into stage school and everything else with, with you know, quite and sharp down and whatnot. And there's you. <laughs> there's you. Hey, what you mean? <laughs> no. But I wasn't the worst because in the same studio practicing was Quentin Wilson, you know, the, the motoring. the worst ever. You know, he was dancing with such a lovely girl called Hazel Newbury, who just recently been world ballroom champion. Wow. And she got Quinton Wilson, got <laughs> kicked out week one. We never saw her dear old Hazel ever again on the show. Gone. Yeah. Well, you know, that first rehearsal, I saw Quentin. I saw Jill. I said to Quentin, how are you feeling about this? And he said, Quite seriously, he said, well, I don't think I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> we always ask our star guests if there's a particular charity that they support, and you've picked Age UK. Yes, so, I like them. Because? Because I'm qualified to be part of Age UK, I can sympathise much easier with problems as we get older, we may uh, come across. One of them is, fortunately, as I say, I've got a, a son who lives nearby, I've got grandchildren, I've got a loving wife, I've got everything. I'm uh, the fortunate one. However, if you're of, of an age where maybe your partner has passed away and you're living on your own, these people need looking after so much. They need love, they need care, and Anything I can do for Age UK, one of my joys with Age UK, they've got a place in up near Bermondsey, and it's like a, a community centre. And older people can go and they can get their hair done or the chiropodist to be in and get something to eat. And they sometimes have a dance. And I've been a couple of times. And it's great. I walk in and I feel like Fred Astaire because... All the ladies want to have a dance with me, and it's just lovely. Have we got some um, Agatha on the line? Because Agatha is somebody who has worked with 
Age UK in Wandsworth. So you've been a volunteer for Age UK, haven't you, Agatha? Yes, I have. What does that involve, Agatha? The services they provide include information and advice. They provide handy people to come to your house and sit in and they repair little things like fitting a bulb into your house or putting a, a something at your door to keep the drafts out. That is what the handy people do when they come to your house. Ag Agatha, how, how have they helped you? They introduced me to a chef that provided cooked hot meal to people living alone because I live alone. AJUK is a godsend to one's watch, especially the local AJUK. So they provided a, a handrail, they, they've put draft excluders, they provided a chef. What did you cook, Agatha? I didn't cook, the, the, the chef brought the... Oh, even better. They cooked, they cooked uh, chicken cancane, they cooked uh, a, a lot of uh, casseroles, which you can put in the freezer and bring them out when you are hungry and just warm them up in the freezer. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us, Agatha, and have a lovely day. Thank you, Len. You're welcome, Agatha. It was lovely to talk to you. <laughs> God bless. God bless you. Well, difficult to hear some of what Agatha was saying there, but I think we got the gist of uh, everything that uh, Age UK yeah. do for her and what she does for them. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you know she's 76, and yet she is still help contributing and helping I think it's, it's, a, it's a marvellous thing. Uh, Len, uh, at this point in the programme, we always ask our guests um, if they could take an object into the afterlife, what would it be? Um, oh, yes. And uh, if they could paint a picture of what they actually think the afterlife is going to look like. Yes. Well, I think, I think, assuming, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that the afterlife is heaven. That's my feeling. I'm going to go to heaven. And because it is going to be heaven, everyone that I love or have known or have been close to will have to be there. Because if they're not there, it's not going to be heaven. You know, if I got up there and my granddad wasn't there, well, it's not heaven, is it? What about so, your headmaster from school? Because he had great advice for you, didn't he? Oh, he did. Uh, yeah. Mr. Daniels, he said, you will always be a failure. You will always be a failure. That was his uh, passing comment to me. Uh, in, in a way, he was, you know, the way I was going along, he was probably, you know, probably true. I was, you know, I, only, I only liked enjoying myself and having fun. But anyway, he was lovely, really. Mr. Daniels. He gave me the cane often. Yeah. Mm. And I used to get the cane, you know, at one when I was a bit younger from a, a teacher called Mrs. Painter. And uh, she'd give me a wallop uh, on the bottom uh, at least once a week. And, you know, nowadays I'd pay good money for that. <laughs> <laughs> but is there a particular object you want to take, Len? One object? Well... 
I'm assuming everything I want to be there, but if it wasn't, my nan, I know, and it's like a rebirth. So I'm assuming I'm I'm back being seven and I can stand in the fireplace and sing a song to her. I'd probably take the, if it's not up there already, I'll take the fireplace <laughs> and see my nan and sing, hey, you can roll a silver dollar down upon the ground. A bit of that. Anyway, I have in, Adrian, I've enjoyed talking to you. I don't think we've ever spoken before. We, we haven't, lad. It's been a pleasure. Esther is always a joy to have a chat with. He always laughs at my jokes, which is always marvellous. So it's been it's been really nice. Lovely, Lovely to chat. Bye. Isn't he the perfect guest? Oh, lovely. And do you know something? Oh, funny that. I didn't want to let him go at the end. I just wanted to, you know, to talk a little bit more with him. Mm. Uh, Simon in Blackpool has uh, emailed a life hack to us. Mm. Um, I couldn't resist sending in this quick life hack. Esther, if you need help sorting out your toothpaste, why, I don't know, uh, grab a bulldog fold back clip. You can push out small amounts and clip to the end of the tube as you fold it up. It works brilliantly. That is the most helpful suggestion because there's always that bit left in the tube and it's really annoying. And actually, as I speak, I've got a very, very rebellious tube of toothpaste that doesn't want to help me. And, you know, I need that help. So I will go upstairs immediately to the bathroom and do that. Just take a pair of scissors and cut the tube open. It's so simple. What? Cut the tube open. Oh, sorry if that's a, a shocked and appalled you. Absolutely. The perfect little tube with its wonderful little nozzle. And you do this awful thing and cut it in the middle. Adrian. I know, I know. What's the world coming to? That is the end of the tube and the end of our podcast. Uh, if you want to join us again, please, please, please do. And subscribe to That's Afterlife Podcast. And remember, we're reading your letters, your emails every week. So send them to hello at thatsafterlife.com. Must go and clean my teeth. And don't attack your toothpaste tube with a pair of scissors. It's blasphemy. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. And uh, goodbye from Adrian. Bye-bye. And goodbye from me. Bye. That's Afterlife is a Captive Minds production and is series produced by Ross Haley. The creator and executive producer is Liz Mills.